Hello to everyone that's listening along to the Disruptors for Good podcast and a part of the Cause Artists community. I have a simple question for you. Are you involved with any nonprofits or no individuals that are? My name is Stephen Garton, and I'm the founder of Charity Charge. I ask you to deliver this simple message to them. Tell them about Charity Charge, the first and only no annual fee, no personal guarantee corporate credit card designed for nonprofits. It's an amazing way for the organizations that you care about to improve the financial stability of their nonprofit and to also reduce the personal risk and liability for their employees. To learn more, check out charitycharge.com. What's up, everybody? This is Grant at Cause Artist. Hope everybody had a great holiday season and I hope getting back into normal flow. <laughs> is working out for you. I know it's a uh, can be a little bit tough to get back into a normal schedule, but uh, here we are trying to do it, right? Uh, so this is episode 36 of the Disruptors for Good podcast. So pretty cool. Pretty cool that we made it this far and uh, can't wait till we get to 250. Can't wait till we get to 100. Can't wait to get, we get to 1,000. That'd be pretty cool. But uh, today we're chatting with Chad Dime, the co-founder of Diff Charitable Eyewear. And it's pretty astonishing what he and his co-founders have done with Diff. I mean, to to date, they provided over 1.2 million people with reading glasses around the world, right? So that's a that's a big a big success, right? But I think with with any sort of company or any organization or any person, right? I mean, you can reach a certain goal, but then you have to strive for even more, right? So I think that's what you know, Chad and his team are, are dealing with right now is figuring out what's the next step in their impact and what they can do with their business and how can it, how can, you know, being a provider of great eyewear be even more impactful in the world, right? So I think their their partnership with Sightsavers is, is going to be pretty phenomenal. It's, it's really going to take a next step in, you know, how can we you know, through eye surgeries and through medicine, through eye exams, really have a sustainable way to provide people with, you know, the power of vision, right? And it's, uh, it's pretty cool that, you know, we can, we're in a day of age where we can just buy a pair of glasses and, you know, maybe somebody on the other side gets a a much needed eye exam or much needed eye surgery, and they can, they can sort of see again, right? So pretty powerful time we live in, pretty powerful story Chad and his team has. Um, So, I hope you really enjoy the listen. It's it's one of the it, it's one of the most interesting sort of storylines. Uh, Chad really has a really great way of, of of telling the story of the company and and how it sort of had these little these little things that happened that that just kind of always connected everything and, and put the dots in place and and really uh, really showed him showed him the way of of he was just wanted to follow his passion. And some some stuff started to fall in place for him, and it's uh, it's actually a really really cool cool story of what happened. So hope you enjoy the episode. Um, hope again. Hope everybody enjoyed the holidays. Hope everybody is uh, back on a regular schedule. Not maybe eating as much. You know, I know I uh, I know I maybe overdid it a little bit with with some of the some of the meals with with family and friends over the holidays. So. Got to get back into a better, uh, better eating habit. <laughs> uh, but I hope everybody's having a, a great day and have a great week. And we'll see you next week. Bye. So the, the first question I always like to ask is about people's journeys and how they get to um, a point in their life where, you know, they really take the leap to follow their passion and they feel like they have the skills to, 
to do so. So what was that journey like for you for, to, uh, to start Diff Eyewear? My dad was an importer of eyewear for like 40 years. So growing up in oh, Los wow. Angeles, yeah, my, my father had, had a company. He just retired at 75 back last December, so about a year ago now. But he was a, he was a major importer of, of what I would call affordable reading glasses and sunglasses. So my whole life, my dad was kind of priming me, getting me ready to kind of come into the family business. <laughs> um, you mentioned college. Um, he was really big on getting an education. Uh, luckily, I, I took his advice on that, had the best couple of years of my life down at San Diego State. But always, again, I, I knew that I was going to go home to work in the family business, which revolved around eyewear. Something really special happened to me in college. Um, I always gravitated towards being more or less a leader. I was on a surf team and uh, I at one point became the president of the surf team at San Diego State. And we had a bunch of sponsorships, things through different companies. And one of the brands that latched onto us at the time was Tom's for shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just so inspired by them and other other companies, other brands of all sorts that gave back. It was an interesting time to be in college from 2006 to, I was, took a little bit of time there. So I was there after 2012, um, <laughs> I did, I changed my major a few times, all these things. Sure. So I was really involved in, in um, just the entrepreneurial side of everything that I did. So if I was running a team, I was always trying to, to see what we were doing to really support those teams by working with brands and things like that. But I was just inspired by some of these things that I, that I got to work with. So when I went home to work with my family business, this idea of building a company that or building a brand that gave back, it wasn't something that my dad instilled in me more or less. It, he was really more the entrepreneur. But that aspect of wanting to start something that was socially conscious probably came from that experience in college. And then meshing the two and getting some experience in the family business led me to this 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 like real inspire you know inspired me to go ahead and start something. So you had a couple co-founders, correct? That kind of you forged it it with. So what were the conversations like with them early on about, you know, there had to be, maybe there was like a light bulb moment or, or something that you guys talked about where it was, okay, let's actually do this. You know, I mean, you kind of know the manufacturing side, the distribution side from being with your family, right? So then it was sort of what nonprofit do we get involved? Like, how did that part come about? Just the sort of, the sort of journey in, in the early stages of, of actually starting the brand. I love, I seriously love the flow of this so much because usually I go ahead and like ramble about all of that. (laughs) The perfect question because that was, so that's what happened. I graduated college in 2012. I came home, worked for my dad, you know, the family company for about a year. And through that experience, my, I was trying to talk to my dad about putting product on Amazon and Mm -hmm. the website. And he was like, no, we were selling wholesale sunglasses to all kinds of different companies. And I actually solicited a a business that I found online um, at the time, which was (laughs) raveshades.com. And when I solicited that company, because I was, you know, at the time really interested in music festivals, trying to see if I could sell sunglasses to somebody that did things that were fun in my eyes. Anyway, that that company was owned by my current partner, Zach Gordan. Um, gotcha. When I when I solicited Zach, he kind of spun it on me and said, hey, it sounds like, you know, you're a young guy that has a really solid family background that has import power with eyewear. And, and I sell eyewear at music festivals. And he said that he had some other ideas about starting new companies and was interested in a partner that had manufacturing background. Mm-hmm. I basically turned around and said, well, I'll do anything to get out of the situation that I'm in because <laughs> I was growing a little bored. I was getting, you know, ready to break out into my own thing. And we had one Skype phone call 
um, I was sitting in my kitchen. I don't know where he was, but then followed by that, he, or after that, his grandfather and him flew out to meet my dad and I, long story short, we, we shook hands over a dinner and that was about six and a half years ago or so, or six years ago or so. And we never looked back. I mean, he is my business partner to this day. So from a small like solicitation that I wrote to him on an email to a Skype phone call, to a meeting, a dinner that we had at Chicago for ribs to starting multiple businesses together. Um, <laughs> It was an incredible journey uh, built upon what I would call trust. A couple of young men that just right. that we both had the right ideas in mind. We're both entrepreneurial, going to be hardworking. The very interesting part is I'm not leaving my third business partner out. Um, <laughs> his name is Chad Journey. And him and Zach were actually competitors in the music festival industry. Where and you're selling Tyler. <laughs> and when, it was incredible because when I joined up with Zach, Chad was our competitor our number one competitor now it wasn't a violent like you know of course yeah right 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 but by all means we knew who he was and he knew who we were and it was definitely one of those things at the time where we all thought we were going to take over the music festival industry and own that that industry with eyewear we it was like can't beat him join him type thing chad Mm. was so good at what he was doing we were very good at what we were doing um i'd say the one thing that Chad had on us was a lot of knowledge on tech. He was really big on like e-commerce and things like that. Right. We were still figuring it out. So we asked him to partner up with us. And it was like the three amigos at that point. We were so, we were just a tripod. What Chad was good at, I wasn't so much good at. What I was good at, Zach might not have been as good at. And similarly, Chad and Zach, you know, we all had our specialties and we were like, wow, this might be an amazing team. Yeah. And again, five years later, we're all sitting here best friends, hardworking, right next to each other, um, opposed to on a, on a table in the back of a warehouse. We actually have an office now. That's epic. That's epic. That's epic. <laughs> yeah. that, when that, when, uh, when y'all had that first Skype call and he came out, um, when Zach came out to meet you and, and your right. dad, was, was the give back model already sort of presented or was it simply, we know we want to start and you know, an eyeglass company, right at, it, at its base, at its foundational level, right? Or was it we want to start an eyeglass company that gives back, right? Was that the original thing that you guys talked about via Skype? Absolutely. So let well, let me actually tell you exactly how this went. The way it went in the beginning was it was very entrepreneurial. We we're trying to figure out what we were going to do to start a business. Period. Right. At that during the Skype phone call, I would I'd be honestly telling you that no, there was no conversation about were we going to be a charitable company, were mm-hmm. we going to be anything even specific. Like I said, it was very early, early, early on when we when we started businesses. Again, we were kind of piggybacked off of what Zach was doing. We started other companies doing promotional eyewear. When we were going to these music festivals, actually selling glasses, we did it for about three years straight. We were going to like forty music festivals a summer selling hundreds of thousands of glasses, not branded, just to, you know, young people across America. Right. And what we realized in that journey, and I told you, you know, what stuck with me in college and my, my experience there, that was always, always at the forefront of my mind. But we were struggling, young guys trying to figure out how to make money. And we were going to these festivals. And what we learned through interacting with, like I said, hundreds of thousands of kids for three years straight or four years or however long they were doing it, we were finding that these individuals, these, these kind of millennials were super big on socially conscious brands, mm-hmm. people that had a heart, I should say, people that had a heart and companies that had heart. And they also weren't brand loyal to the, the older brands that were out there called right. the Ray-Bans and, and, that type of thing. and things like that. Oakley yeah. and anything like that. They, they're, at, they're buying our glasses at festivals, coming back to us the next summer going, 
I broke my glasses a year ago. I've been waiting to see you guys at the next festival. And I'm saying, guys, there's a void in this market. These mm-hmm. young millennials are looking for new fun companies that have a heart and that give back and that have a story, you know, that genuine feel. And they also want something that doesn't break the bank. That's what we right. were learning. Our, our glasses were affordable. So that information that we gained through meeting, like I said, all these kids, all these young people, that's what got us really excited about starting a business that gave back. And I would say that in that point, um, going back to like 2013, um, early 2014, it started really, our wheels started spinning. Mm-hmm. We were like, we wanted, we wanted to get rid of all the things that we actually had built to that point to start something new. And that when we decided that we were going to start something new, that was the first thing we said it was going to be charitable. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the first Skype phone call, not so much. We were just trying to figure it out. But by the time we really partnered and it was Chad, Zach and I, that we from day one, we were like, our brand is going to be charitable. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew that it was something that that would make us happy. That's kind of who we are. You know, we're all fortunate young men that had families that cared for us, sent us to college, all that stuff. We always, as, as people, were interested in that. But then we learned that there was a market for it. And, and that's when it really became real. And we started saying every, everyone I talked to was going to be a give back brand. And when y'all, when y'all decided that, what were, what were the first steps? Because, I mean, it's easy, every, like anything, right? It's easy to say something, but then you got to do it. <laughs> so that's right. was it, did you know not, did, did Zach or, or anybody else know nonprofits already, like off the top of your head, where you could reach out to and say, hey, we could partner with them? Or do y'all just have to go Google search it and reach out and <laughs> solicit them? You've got the best questions ever, I swear. <laughs> This is a perfect, I, this is awesome. I, basically, it, that was what I was telling you about with us. We all fell into our place, right? So you got three mm-hmm. young men ready to start a business. Zach, by all means, this guy is an incredible marketing agent. The way his brain works is is just, like I said, it's incredible. Chad Jernigan, similarly, very tech, you know, really interested in building sites and things like that. Myself, being the experience that I had going back into college and then also was kind of doing sales with my dad, I fell more into the sales side of things, but I was super passionate about these charities um, that we were hoping to work with. The one thing that we knew from day one was that we wanted to have something that would affect every consumer. So we went ahead and said, okay, we were going to do the buy a pair, give a pair program that mm-hmm. was pretty popular at the time. A lot of brands that were you know, right. going to be socially conscious for latching onto that. And we thought it was a really good idea at the time. And then we proved that it was a really good idea because it's just so much more digestible for the consumer when you yep. have a very straightforward message. But the cool thing was when I was working for my dad, like I mentioned, he sold really, really, really affordable eyewear, cheap, cheap, cheap reading glasses and sunglasses. And he, when he turned me on some of his customers, one of them was a woman named Sherry Grigsby. She owned a 501c3 nonprofit called Eyes on Africa. Mm. And she was my customer at my dad's company. And I knew through talking to her that she was basically having like Tupperware parties and little things to raise money to then go right. buy reading glasses from right. my dad to take them to Africa, mm. where she, for some reason, that during a trip that she took, she's a retired teacher, but a trip that she took there. It really hit her hard. It got to her heart. She wanted to keep going back there to help people there. And it wasn't Africa's a big place. So it was, she worked in like sure. 17 different countries within Africa. And when I started Diff with the boys, I said, hey, I knew a woman that was doing this already. And I'm going to call her and find out if she's still doing it. And if she is, rather than have her buy reading glasses anymore, we're just going to donate to her yep. every, for every pair that we sold. 
And that's how our donation, our buy a pair, give a pair started with a woman named Sherry Grigsby and myself, and of course the support of the boys and the company. But I called her, I said, hey, I want you to stop buying the glasses that you're buying for my dad. I'm gonna purchase them from my dad and we're gonna give them to you. And all you need to do is keep doing what you love to do so much. And what did she say? She was so stoked. This woman <laughs> and I, I'm not kidding. She t- I speak to her still to this day. We've moved, we've, we've grown so large that we went from donating like 15,000 pairs a year, which was doable for her, you know, to donating uh, sure. over 500,000 pairs a year in like wow. 2017. So we had to adapt, but I still talk to Sherry to this day. And we still work with her in a lot of capacities and she calls us her shot in the arm. She says <laughs> that we got that phone call. It was like, she wasn't sure what she was doing with Eyes in Africa. It was kind of hard for her at her age and everything to raise the money or something. You know, she was getting, it was getting a little difficult for her. And then when I, when we called, it was like, oh, the, the clouds parted. Everything was good. She was excited to do it more. And, and, and like I said, she's still doing it. It's incredible. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a cool, that must've been a pretty cool conversation to, you know, to hear what she was, <laughs> what her first reaction was. I can't, I can't really imagine, but like you said, you've guys grown sort of so much that <laughs> she couldn't handle right. that much supply, right. To, to eat, to even give out. So then what happened then? Did you, did she refer you to other nonprofits that were doing similar work or you, you guys were just meeting people and decided to partner with more and more nonprofits? I, a couple things happened. We were really involved owners and, and every day we're, you know, we're keeping our eye on, on business and what's going mm-hmm. out there on out there in the world. And we heard, we heard stories, things that have happened to companies that give back like this and the capacity that we were giving back, meaning donating. Right. Products, you know, there could uh, be some negative there, connotations to it. Yeah. There you can negatively impact an economy just as quickly as you can positively impact one is yep. what we learned in, in short. So, Real early on, even during the days when we, we launched this company in 2014. So by 2015, I was already doing a lot of research, trying to figure out what the next step was going to be after Sherry. But we, like I said, we always mm-hmm. Sherry to this day, that woman will be taken care of until I'm done. <laughs> but um, but we we started to adapt and start to look for other other partners. Another partner we met um, shortly after that was Restoring Vision. We worked with them for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut actually our ties with them in 2018 because. And very positive. Everything we've ever done with with how we've adapted from Sherry to Restoring Vision to now our partner is a, a new partner called Sight Savers. And the reason yep. we do this is because we learned, like I said, Sherry Grigsby, she couldn't handle taking that many, you know, glasses over. Furthermore, we learned that reading glasses aren't as sustainable as some other things that you can do. Mm. Reading glasses are technically a piece of plastic with a lens or a piece of metal with a right. lens and they can break and get lost. And yep. that's a big part of, of making sure that your impact is sustainable. If you go into a community, give someone a pair of reading glasses, are you going back? Right. Are you going back there to make sure that their reading glasses didn't break? Are you going back there to make sure that it, you gave them the right pair? I mean, it gets the, it's a deep rabbit hole, if you will. And so we found a partner called Sightsavers, and it's beautiful because we're still able to effectively run and buy a pair, give a pair. We donate for every pair of sunglasses or reading glasses, you know, optical glasses that we sell. But now we're not just doing reading glasses. Sightsavers mostly does, uh, they do a wide range of things for eye health. 
Yeah. So they're going to the country, yep. they're training local doctors to do cataract surgeries. They're they're distributing medicine that is very affordable into places where they don't even have the resource to get the medicine. They're doing workshops to work with people on again general health, how to avoid really sim you know simple diseases that are avoidable with with the right kind of health care and, and cleanliness and this type of thing. And they're still doing donations of reading glasses as well, but it's not so one it's much more yeah it's much more sustainable right the impact that that now that they're making is that is is much more of a generational thing than uh just a just you know look no matter what a person needs they're they're always going to need a pair of glasses right but they might have different health concerns right with their eyes right that needs to be taken care of before they even can wear reading glasses (laughs) right yep absolutely Yeah, no. And I think I think the one thing is, is that what I've just noticed through through, you know, interviewing a ton of people is that there's you can like really impact a person's life for like not a lot of money. Like there's there's operations and stuff that are very affordable that can change a person's life. Right. Whether it's vision, whether it's hearing, whatever it may be. We look at healthcare as very expensive in America because, you know, look, there's just a lot of different factors that go into it. Right. But what they do, right, Sightsavers, is they can probably do these, quote unquote, simple procedures, like very quickly, easily affordable to where if somebody, you know, buys a pair of diff glasses, you know, that goes much, much further, right? You're, you're going to eventually maybe somebody gets surgery, right? And their their life has changed forever, not just that day, right? That's so, right. Yeah. So that's a... It's 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 really uh it's really a great advancement that that you guys have made and I think a lot of uh, social impact brands are, are are trying to figure out how can they innovate in giving right because the one for one model was initially the first kind of thing right this was easy digestible consumers can understand it um, yeah. but but now it's okay how do we innovate right how do we actually start to start to really impact people's lives for for a generation right and kind of make that shift and, and, and get people out of you know generational poverty, not just solve one thing that just takes them to the next day, but really implements foundations that will last for a while. And I think that you guys have learned that, right? And just from going from one step to another in, in your giving model, you guys have innovated in that, which is amazing, amazing for like a young company to, to think about those things right now, because um, that's just going to, I think more consumers are going to want to learn more about this stuff, right? I, I think that right. early on, the one-for-one model is fine, easy, digestible, right? It really, it, I mean, of course it is, but I think more and more consumers are going to want to dive deeper into it and see, okay, right. what does that actually mean? Yep. I, and, I, and I'll tell you how right you are. I've, I've been on some of these distributions, these trips that we've done. Mm-hmm. I've been on a bunch of them and I've gone into country and I've given reading glasses to people. And before our partnership with Sightsavers, which again, I think is going to be our longest partnership to date. We're going to be doing this with them for a very long time. When I went into country to do these distributions, what I found is you mentioned North America and other countries where we have this like level of education, right? Where you go mm-hmm. to school, you, you learn from your parents that when your eye itches, you have an allergy and that you're not going blind or something like that, it, mm. it, or that you can take Benadryl. Um, right. Or if, if you have an issue, it's a, simple, it's a simple surgery that could actually solve your issue and, and, and help you not go blind. That level of education, like doctors and everything, even for a second, just even forget that, the level of education that you or I have on general health, going into country and telling somebody, a parent that's worried about their kid losing their sight because their eyes have been itching, 
Well, you just have to tell them, they, have they been washing their hands? Are their hands clean? Are they taking good care of their eyes? That just the, the reading glasses was one thing, but the education, mm-hmm. telling somebody that it's going to be okay, their kid's not going blind, or hey, there's a, there's, a, there's a solution for this. You need to go see a doctor. That, in my experiences, went, went just as far or further than the gift that we were giving of sight or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that old adage. It's very well known. It's, it's teach a man to fish sure. versus give him to fish, that whole thing or person. But it's so true. Like it really is. And a really interesting thing that happened to us in between working with Sherry and then working with sight savers was I, I was trying to, I met someone on Instagram, just a fellow, um, she was actually a, um, a Peace Corps volunteer. Mm-hmm. And one of my buddies pointed me in her direction and said, you should see this girl. She's posting all this amazing content. She lives in Uganda. It looks like she does things that are very in line with what you're doing with your charity. You should hit her up. And I hit her up. Um, I, I wrote to her on Instagram. I said, hey, we're doing a lot of amazing things. Looks like you're doing amazing things. I'd love to send you some of our reading glass donations for you to distribute in your community. Um, and her answer back to me was really polite and nice. She said, you know, that's a great offer. Thank you. But in my duties here as a Peace Corps volunteer, I'm actually not taking donations and right. I have to, you know, politely decline. And I said, oh gosh, oh, what the heck? I've never had anybody decline free reading glasses. This is right. weird. I said, tell me more. Um, I didn't stop the conversation there. I was like, what, why? And she was saying, well, you know, our Western footprint is already large enough. I came here a couple of years ago. People mm-hmm. were asking me for things from the day I landed. She's like, what I'm here to do is teach individuals how to help themselves and how to help others here in the community so that when I leave, they're still benefiting from what I did here. If you send me some reading glasses, all they're going to want is more reading glasses from me. And right. I said, oh, okay, I get it. And what she did is she told me again, if you're interested in building a, a, a program with me that is more focused on empowerment and education, she goes, I'll work on anything with you in DIFF. She was just, you know, really excited about DIFF too. And I, I, from that day, me and this girl, her woman, her name's Kelsey Sabo, we built a program that, in, and this was my, during the time in 2016, this was my idea of getting outside of this buy a pair, give a pair thing to really right. focus on empowerment and education. And we built a pouch program together with her local community in Arua, Uganda, and DIFF. And we started having local tailors in Arua, Uganda, make eyeglass pouches out of locally... Um, Epic. Yeah, it was insane. But out of locally sourced materials. So they'd go into the market in, in Arua, they'd get the fabric, which is called Kitenge. They'd actually use recycled foam from mm-hmm. mattresses, mm-hmm. and they would put that in between the fabric so it protected the eyeglasses. And they started having these women who some knew how to sew, some didn't know how to sew, so we're training them to sew, um, make these eyeglass pouches for DIFF. And DIFF would purchase them. And at the purchase cost of that pouch, we cover the wage for the tailor and the production of the pouch. So that right there is, in turn, it's empowering because that individual is earning a wage. Um, they're, they're learning. So it's educating them because they're learning how to do a trade, whether this program ends tomorrow or not. Right. It's on into their future. And on top of that, the profits from those pouches are going to a school that is in that community. So it really ties back in education because these women tailors and their children now are going to that school. Now the school existed, but it was, it needed a lot of, it needed a lot of work, needed a lot of help. Diff Eyewear, our partnership with them now has been over two years. The school 
has come like you don't understand it has locking doors windows electricity it's got paint all over it's got a playground with a fence safe all of this has happened there they've got new workshops and, and classrooms because of this program and kelsey sabo is sitting in my office right now she no left yeah she it's the most incredible that's what i'm saying the things that we've done here we don't even talk about like give me chills <laughs> moved back from Aru, uganda after three years there and now she's our charity manager come if on you weren't talking to me you'd be talking to her be and and no straight up like that we've done so much incredible things and like i said everybody wants to hear about the biopergy repair like i said it's easily digestible but we've we've focused on the things that exactly like you said and and really yeah it's all amazing and if a company out there in the world wants to give back and do a biopergy give a pair that's great too but it's yeah how do you take it a step further yep. um, like I, it's uh it's what a lot of it's what a lot of maturing social enterprises are doing. I talked to uh, a few episodes ago, the chief giving officer at Tom's <laughs> and she right. said that they are, they're still going to do the one for one model on certain pairs of shoes, but they're getting away from it and going towards more long-term impact based um, like missions, right. And overall right. big projects that last a really long time, whether it's, you know, actually, opening up Tom's manufacturers in these places where they used to give shoes. Right. Right. So they're looking at it the same way as like, you know, look, this can only go so far, right? Like you say, you can only give so many pairs of shoes or give so many pairs of glasses and that that's not sustainable in the long term. It's an initial, you know, like a bandaid. Right. Um, right. But what you guys have saw and what I think really, really good impact businesses see is that they can do more. Right. And okay. it's, it's also going to be good for their business if they can they can keep telling that that story correctly right and keep having these magical things happen it's going to just pursue you guys even more to try, try. different things right and, and try to work on projects everywhere yeah. that's pretty cool man that that's amazing that that she sort of from that from that first denial right it was like a date that that's you asked right. she said no <laughs> and then but now y'all married that's right, that's right. it's and she <laughs> This story is so crazy. She brought three dogs back with her. Um, we, like I said, she's with us right now, working on things um, to help us continue to give back. I mean, talk about full circle, um, just incredible. And I still, like I said, I'm talking, we're in emails right now with Kennedy, the gentleman who's the director over in Aru, Uganda of that school and runs the pouch program. I mean, we're still doing the same so thing. So it's, it's still going on. And this is pouches that are- you could buy separately from the glasses or do they come with some pairs of glasses? My friend, you can walk the cool. So they don't, they're, they're sold on their own. They don't come with glasses. We don't put up. We thought about that. We thought about what it would take to put every pair of our glasses. Not every one. pair, but just like a special line, you know, like something like a short, short, we, a short print run. We No, glasses. absolutely. Every, all that stuff. We thought about it. Um, and in fact, I still, after talking to you, actually, I might have to get up and go tell everyone we should, we should do this. Um, <laughs> but I wanted, at one point I wanted, I wanted our glasses in every single one of these things. And the boys were thinking about it too. It just didn't make total sense from. Yeah. It's hard to scale that. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. but Dillard's, one of our Nordstrom. Uh, yeah, in absolutely. Dillard's in 2019 and in 2018, they bought into these. So we're selling them to our biggest retailers. So people all over the country are going and buying these pouches that actually that's really cool. We put inserts in there that explains what it is and mm -hmm. it has a it has, yeah, it has got this hand signature on there of the tailor that made your pouch and it says handmade with love by 
and 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 that Taylor hand signs it. So these people go in the store and see a cool pouch. Oh, this is pretty, and they open it up and they get the tag and they go, oh my gosh, if I were this is made by an individual with love. Yeah. yeah. So all retailers are selling these things now, and it's on our site. Um, it's uh, like I said, if you look at the school, like where it's come from and where it's at now, uh, you can see the impact. It's it's incredible. And I've been to Arua twice, and I've met the tailors. I've met the um, you know, the director and everything. And it was emotional to say the least, but it was amazing. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine it. That would be, that would be super powerful for sure. And it's, uh, it's great to see now these big department stores, right. Getting involved because, right. you know, when I first started this and I'm sure when you first started, I started in 2013, there, there was not going to be any way that these department stores would carry stuff like this. Right. Because the demand. No, because they didn't get them enough money. Yeah. And and the demand really wasn't there yet. Right. I mean, it just wasn't, it wasn't in everybody's mind that stuff like this could even exist. Right. And you could, you could buy it. And that's, and that's the, uh, the maturation of the industry that we're in is that we see now these, you know, big companies and, and retailers kind of getting involved more and more. And that's just going to be great for, for you guys and, and all the other, you know, products out there that do something similar, but in a different product line, you know, that, uh, that these stores are paying attention and, uh, hopefully we can, cause that's part of, I think part of the next step is making it easy for people to, to discover and like buy these things. Right. Because, right. you know, you guys have a bit a customer base, right. But to get that, I mean, you had to, you know, had to run Facebook ads, right. You had to run and go, like you had to get out there and, and, Right. Go to your site, but now if you can go to Target, right, or you go to Nordstrom's and you can see Diff there or other social impact brands there, that makes that makes more and more people um, come into come into the industry, and uh, it just elevates everybody, right? Once you guys get elevated, so does that school, you know, so does that child, so does that family, and so on and so on, right? It's an epic butterfly effect that we've we've just never seen before in business, and that's what's so cool about the time we're in is that we're seeing just a massive disruption and change in how commerce works, how business works. That's, that's, right. that's a big industry. <laughs> business, it, business it, is a big industry. It, it sure is. And it, and it goes all the way back to a little bit of that, that story I was telling you about when the boys and I were going to music festivals. What I found is that young individuals, I mean, I'm 32. I'm, I, I, I'm, I don't know how old I feel old, yeah. but all I'm saying, I'm not old. I don't know. All I'm saying is people are demanding it now. My generation, your generation, anybody yeah. and, and everyone below us, like I said, these young individuals that I met at music festivals were saying, they were saying that. They were saying we're looking for something that gave back because we're all, we're all a product of a lot of brands and a lot of companies for many years yeah. that took our money and put it in their pocket, you know, and that was the end of it. Yeah. And I, you know, I gave money to – my dad sold sunglasses. I was out there buying sunglasses from my favorite brands as a guy that loves surfing because right. they were in my eyes cooler than whatever my dad sold. Sure, sure. They didn't do anything with my money except for profit from it. Yep. So when I grew up and I got a little older and wanted to start my own company, I was like, shoot, like let's do something to give a little bit back. And it feels good. You, you, you when you start to get involved and, and as an, whether you're on the consumer side of things or you're on the business side of things, you're doing it and you're like, gosh, this is actually better. This is more fun. This is more rewarding. Um, so like I said, the individuals, the consumers themselves, these people that I met, I don't want to say millennials because I think it's 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 wider than that at yeah, this point. Yeah. Um, but they're they're saying that they're asking, well, what do you do? Are you a give back brand? You go to Google, it comes up on the search. It's like people are looking for brands that give back. They want to mm-hmm. buy from those brands. 
Yeah, and it's that's listen, man. The consumer can change everything. You know, any problem right. we have in in our society, can, the consumer can change it. The, the you don't have to depend on the government or charities yeah. to change things. Like you, we just have the ability, right? I mean, just right. buy. You know, take time to to really educate yourself on who you buy from, and a lot of things can get better by simply doing that. <laughs> you know, right. and it's. Uh, you know, it's kind of the first time in, in, you know, capitalism history, right. That that's a possibility. And it's, it's an interesting time to see, you know, how it could all play out and, and see how these big brands, like you said, like, how does Oakley adjust? Cause now they have to pivot, <laughs> right. Right. Like how does Ray-Ban like they eventually they're going to have to figure out a way to, um, to adjust. Right. And, and to talk to their, much it's, i guess it's not front center mm-hmm. um you know but i think a lot of a lot of different companies out there larger companies are doing some some capacity of charity nowadays whether they're donating old frames or taking sure. a percentage of that during a certain yep. season um you know but i think it's going to be interesting because again we talked about the marketplace um and how you said like consumers and powers power and numbers and things like that I think it's going to be more or less a, a demand at some point in probably our lifetime that these companies give back. At least that they'll probably lose their their clout if they don't um, in some way. Uh, that's that's 100%. what I believe. I don't know how quickly that'll happen. It seems like it's happening though. Yeah, it's definitely happened. It's definitely happening. Um, sometimes the struggle is is that I think Oakley's like I think I believe Oakley's owned by Nike. I'm, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and, and conglomerates and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so the tough stuff. thing with that is they're a public company, right? So they're right. not they're 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 adhered to their shareholders, right? So if all of a sudden these profits are going into <laughs> sustainability efforts and charitable efforts, that hurts the bottom line, right? So now their stock price falls, right? So that they're going to have to really take it out like their marketing budget and use it for that because. They have just a different like you're you're not a you're you're not upholding to that, right? You can right. you you guys can make decisions really quickly, right? About how we wanna how we wanna present ourselves and impact stuff. Big companies like that can't do that. They're gonna be really slow to to change with the times, and that's just gonna be beneficial to you guys because you guys can come in and just say, like, look, we know this area. We're actually doing impactful things and, and changing people's lives. You know, you guys are you know, on shareholders calls, worrying about <laughs> certain different things. It's just not the same. You know, yeah, you're right. And and again, it's, I think one of the things that kind of came to mind as you were explaining that, because you're, you're right, um, there's a lot of reasons and levels to all this. But I think that the cool thing is about Diff is that it's been there since day one. So right. whether we, you know, hire anybody to come in here, um, high level executives, C-level people, they have to realize coming in here, that there is a there's a part of this business that there's a budget built for it can't take it away we give back you know that mm-hmm. whole thing um, it exists from day one so it's a really good point you know it's easier um, I think if you embed it from day one yep. and you really stay true to it it's a lot easier to manage make things happen um, grow that part of the business and if you didn't have it you're trying to figure out how to get relevant again or whatever you're doing um, yeah you have to change the whole model you have exactly to change it all up. But I don't. Exactly. I, I I would applaud people for doing that. But you make a really good point. It's 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 not as easy. It's not as easy. It's not as easy. But it's uh, and it's it's also it, it's history too, though, right? Like you said, it, it's hard to 
erase the previous 30 years of, (laughs) you know, not paying workers. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, look, you could just look it up, right? I mean, look, Nike's had some, some pretty big human rights violations over the decades. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to erase that when you're only doing this because now people see it and now people want this, but you could have been doing it before, but nobody was there overseeing you and you were just kind of doing whatever and making billions and billions. It's like, it's very tough to make that shift for, for people like me, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. I can, it, it's hard for me to, to forgive that kind of stuff when you had the chance Absolutely. to do it and didn't. But now since Absolutely. the consumer's changing, now you want to change is tough. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see lot, how it plays out. A lot more, a lot more transparency these days. I'd yeah. say through everything from social media to different laws and things like that. Um, that you're so right. These these individuals, these companies, these these monsters, whatever you want to call them, these massive corporations, like they're exposed now more or less some of the things that they did. And and like you said, it's like you would hope that for whatever it's worth, no matter how they got there, whether it was because social media exposed them or whatever, I don't know. But um, the change that is happening is good. I think that the, the direction sure. that, that that this is all going and, and brands like Diff and, and the fact that I was 25 years old thinking about how I wanted to start a charitable brand, mm-hmm. that's good. You know, there's the, the change is happening and it's forcing the other like I said, the monsters out there, these, I don't mean monster in a bad way. I mean like, yeah, yeah, just big. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it's forcing them to think about it too. Um, and that hopefully in turn should make a better world. I mean, at least better than it. Yeah. I would think so. Absolutely. I I would think it would, it would make some positive advances, you know, hope so. But I, um, I want to end on, on this. The, The last question I'll have is sort of the vision for, I know it's, it's, it's sort of a, a harder question because it, it's hard to look down the road. I know that's it's a difficult thing to do, but um, you know, maybe five years down the line or, or something that you guys are thinking about now that's big vision stuff. Like, what are you guys thinking about for the next, you know, five or so years of, of how you want to um, become even more sustainable, right? You know, impact sure. lives even more. What, what does that look like from the conversations you have now? Yeah, there's a couple of things. So, there's like the individual myself as a co-founder and what I really want to do as I, as I grow here as an individual um, within my company, um, you mentioned the word sustainability. Um, and then there's also like what we do as a charitable brand, a social impri- enterprise, but um, right. first of all, sustainability, I think is coming back around. Right. So we, yep. we heard about sustainability many years ago. Um, sounds like me, you and I got our, our you know, feet kind of wet in, in what we're doing business wise about around the same time. But I remember sustainability was big then, and then, it, and then it, you know, many different trendy words kind of come into play. But now I'm hearing sustainability again, like in every meeting I'm in. And I yeah. think what it's, what we've been looking at, unfortunately, with eyewear, it's not terribly sustainable at this mm-hmm. point, meaning there are some eyewear companies and manufacturers out there working with biodegradable right. acetate, things like that, and, and, and plastics that are recycled. But yep. unfortunately, the quality that you get from using some of that stuff is not what people are willing to pay for. So really mm-hmm. the sustainable factor of, of what we're doing is going to probably play a lot more into like our packaging. So okay. we've been testing a ton of different packaging right now, um, sampling a ton of different packaging right now that is sustainable packaging made from recycled water bottles, made from recycled, you know, trash that, you know, floats on our yep. beaches and things like that. Yep. Um, it's a, it's a delicate process though, because we make a quality product um, right. and we want to make sure that the quality is also there. 
but we are focusing on that. Our creative director talks about it every day. And I'm not even kidding you, every meeting that I'm in, it's coming up again and again and again. And it will be our responsibility as a brand to just always have sustainability at the forefront of, again, our mind in terms of how can we be better? How can we get better? But that's definitely, I'd say, within the next three to five years, something that we're going to have to continue to really improve on. And we look forward to it. Um, again, we are really this way. My partners and I really do find this to be, you know, the, the most fun that we can have building uh, different things and, and, and seeing, you know, how we can always get better and what makes the brand better. Um, then there's, you know, I mentioned like the business and what we do as a social enterprise. I think they're like you've seen in five years, we've had to adapt already multiple times. Right. We've had to change little things about the way that we give back. Um, but personally, I think in the next five years, what I would really like us to, like to see us do is impact a lot on our soil, meaning mm, a lot of what love we it. do is, yeah. is global. Um, there's a lot of things to be said for how far your impact can go, meaning how far can you make a dollar stretch here versus how far you can make a dollar stretch in another country. Yep. Um, it's quite, you know, it's, it's quite different. You can, yep. like I said, some of the medicines that we're affording for, for people all over the world are as low as like 15 cents yep. um, for, for a pill that can cure somebody so, and help them not go blind. So I think building that and bringing it back locally, doing stuff more in North America, because it, there's a lot of work to be done here too. But um, we get that question a lot from our consumers. A lot of yep. people that buy dip, they're asking us saying, hey, you do so much in these different countries. Um, are you, what are you doing here locally? A lot of times right now, our answer is, you know, we do a lot of stuff with cleaning up the beaches with Hula Bay. We go down to the Food Bank of LA. We'll be down there usually during the holidays doing a lot of, you know, you know, giving back in that capacity, you know, packaging food for people. Mm -hmm. um, we do a carnival of love down here on Skid Row every January with a celebrity called Justin Baldoni. He, on his birthday, goes down to Skid Row and has his birthday there and celebrates the community down there. So we're doing local things, but really building that out, I think. And then the last thing I was going to say is me as an individual and what I want to do. Um, like I mentioned, I have Kelsey here who she carries the torch. Yeah. Uh, if you really want to know what we're going to be doing, we should talk to her. Um, but I'm very involved, and in, and hopefully as the as the progression of my career here kind of moves along, I would like to get back more involved in in those trips that I was telling you I did. Yeah. You know, a, a lot. I still do a lot, but with Kelsey here, I, I trust her to do a lot of it. But you know, in a dream world, I'm um, I'm out there in the world multiple times a year on trips giving back i, I would really like to be you know it'd be pretty you know it'd be pretty cool is if y'all y'all should do a giveaway and have one of your customers come on the trip with you guys man you you should be you should be in here with us bro you have all the same <laughs> that's exactly i said that would be amazing i want to do that and you're absolutely right and i was thinking also we work a lot with like influencers and talent i'd yep. love to find an influencer or a celebrity that has a huge heart and be like okay let's take a random consumer an owner and an influencer and send them out in the world and do something cool dude let's you know, do it we'll film, i'll film the whole thing we'll do it we can distribute it through cause artists and we can have a whole thing with it dude it would be awesome let's go brother awesome. i'm in i'm telling you this is this is what like i said as an individual here this is what ideally you know if you, if you ask me what's my ideal uh job here at diff once um once i have that luxury of choosing that's what it would be yeah. Let me just pick charities that we're going to, you know, work with and, and go out there and um, travel and, and see the impact. I, that's my favorite, my favorite thing about what we do. It's so fun. And I can't believe I even get to do it. 
Yeah. No, <laughs> no man, that's great. Well, I pre- dude, I appreciate you taking the time, man. I know uh I know it's uh I know you're busy, you know, and and it's uh it's always it's always uh, I'm always grateful when people take time out of their their busy lives to come to come jump on and tell their story. So, uh, I appreciate it and best of luck going forward. I think man, everything you talked about, it's it, it's uh it's such a blueprint for anybody who wants to uh to start something that they that they are inspired by, right? I mean, just like you were inspired by Tom's, I believe Absolutely. there are going to be people that are inspired by what you guys are doing, and, and they're going to start something cool too. So uh, keep up the great work, my man. I hope so. So hey, I really appreciate you. By the way, this time is very well spent. I've enjoyed my my conversation with you, and um, look forward to maybe meeting you in person one day. But thank you very much, and thanks for letting me tell my story or the diff story.